Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. It connects to your Swim Nerd mobile app, allowing you to program any set your heart desires. Except for 100 100s while listening to Nickelback. You can't program that. That that is not allowed. If you haven't seen the Swim Nerd Pace Clock yet, go to swimpractice.com to check it out. All right, Kyle Chalmers, welcome to the podcast, mate. How you doing? Good, mate. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad we, we finally figured it out. I've been bugging you for a while, and we, we finally figured out a way to get it done. So I appreciate that very much. Yeah, no problems. It has been a while, but um, it's good to finally be on. Join the, join the exclusive club, so I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I've had, I've had a few hundred freestylers on, mate. Have you had a chance to listen to any of them? haven't had a chance yet. I'm someone that kind of tends to stick out of the swimming world to be honest with you i don't yeah. i don't read into media don't listen too much i kind of go about my business and um yeah and you know it's a lot of you can get caught up quite easily in what other people are saying so yeah. i like to do my thing yeah well mate like i've noticed that and i was going to say straight off the bat like we spend a, i spend a lot of time talking to uh, many olympians and many hundred freestylers on this on this show and i've I've, uh, you know, bitch and moaned about how difficult it is and how challenging the Olympic experience is and how hard it is to win an Olympic gold medal and, you know, all, all this stuff on and on and on. And you just pop up as an 18 year old and, and make it look easy, mate. How the hell did you do that? Yeah, well, I'm glad I made it look easy. It probably wasn't overly uh, as easy as I made it look, but um, I guess I'm a person that just is there I was there enjoying the experience uh, it was my first time racing individually at the senior level uh, I didn't know what to expect I mean I was doing a school talk yesterday with kids probably I don't know from the ages of seven to ten years old and I was really just trying to explain the Olympic village um, and what I was getting out of it and the best way I could could describe it was that I was there and I was just this massive fanboy in the first probably week of the Olympic Games like I was getting photos you know with all the NBA basketballers. I remember I was looking through my photos from Rio the other day when I was on the phone and I've, I've slipped a selfie in with Michael Phelps uh, in the background, just being like, hackles this. Um, and then a few days later, standing on the, standing on the, in the four by 100 freestyle relay final, he was actually second and I was second. So we we're racing against each other. For my first final experience at the Olympic games. So, um, yeah, I, I'd like to think I made it look easy. It's a, it was a lot of hard training to get to that point, which I guess then made the racing as, as easy as it could possibly come, to be honest with you. Well, I get that. And we're gonna, I'd like to get into a little bit of that. What, what kind of training did you do specifically? Because you know, I know my listeners love to hear some of that stuff. But, but how did you not get caught up? Like you are taking photos with Michael Phelps and you're running around and, and having lunch with Kevin Durant or whoever. You know, you're a big basketball <laughs> fan. I know that. So it's like, how did, you, how did that not just do your head in and get caught up in the experience? Well, I think that for me was a great distraction for what I was there to do, really. Like I... Day one, like I almost every day there for a while, I was getting a photo with an NBA player. So I was like, Pau Gasol, Manu Ginobili, my semi final on my 100 freestyle. I'm a huge, huge basketball fan, uh, massive Kevin Durant fan, uh, actually. And my semi final, before I race, I'll put it that way. Before I race, I watched three videos. I watched two highlight videos of Kevin Durant and I watched Kevin Durant's MVP speech. And I was walking over for my semi final on my 100 freestyle, which was um, the night Michael Phelps had his first individual. Uh, final, the 200 butterfly, I think it was. So the US basketball team came in, they were on pool deck, they were watching Michael. And I remember walking over to the marching room for my 100 freestyle and they walked out in front of me 
and Kevin Durant was there and it was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life. Like uh, I was, I felt sick in my stomach. I'd just finished watching the YouTube videos and Kevin Durant's right there. Um, my team manager obviously saw how excited but nervous I was about that and they ended up going up to him and um, asking him for like a 30 second video, wishing me luck for the final the next night. And um, for me, that was like my highlight of the Olympics was getting this shout out video from a guy that I watched day in, day out on the TV. I watch his MVP speech every day. Like it was, it was the best thing that that's ever happened to me. Really, I absolutely loved that experience. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a I'm a country boy. I grew up in a town of fifteen thousand people. Um, I've never really taken things too seriously, to be honest with you. I kind of like to do things my way. Like I'm I'm on pool deck. I'm kicking the Aussie rules football around. Um, you know, doing a bit of skipping before I get in the pool rather than probably what other people are doing. And I love chatting to people. I'm walking around pool deck chatting to people and I'm in the marching room chatting. I don't listen to music really. So uh, I'm, I'm probably the alternate outlier in the men's sprint events really. So I'm pretty relaxed and I think that's what probably helped me um, do my best in Rio was just staying relaxed and staying true to myself. And, um, you know, before my final, I remember standing on the blocks and just looking down looking down the end of the pool and, and smiling and thinking of all the hard work I'd done to get to that point. Um, and my goal going into the Olympics was to make that final and I knew that I'd achieved my goal. So I could just go out there and enjoy it and um, and have fun with it, really. So it was, it was yeah, um, unbelievable, really. Hey, there's so much to unpack and, and I want to get into it. It's amazing. It just, I'm, it's, I'm blown away by this whole story. You know, it's just incredible. I've seen a lot of great athletes. I've seen a lot of great sprinters. I've been in this game a long time. And every now and then people come along and then you just can't fully explain it. You just, you put it down to a kid's a freak of nature. Do you look at yourself and recognize that in yourself? Like I'm, I'm a bit of a freak in nature here. Like I've got some, I got some gifts that maybe I was just blessed with or other people don't have. Like, I know you work hard. Don't get me wrong. You work hard yeah. and, and you're probably trained well, but are you a freak of nature as well? <laughs> I think, I think I am to an extent. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that have to com- combine to make a great athlete, but um, I do believe that I'm, I've been very gifted with, with um, um, some definitely talents and, you know, I, I really only started swimming properly after the World Championships in 2015 was when I started really committing to training. And, um, you know, I was still at school in year 11 at school. And my focus for 2016 was finishing my year 12 high school year. Um, but so for me, uh, you, you know, I, I decided that school wasn't my main focus. Then I worked out a way that I could do school from home so I could really commit to swimming. And, and I bumped my swimming up to a ridiculous amount. Like I was training oh I'd go in Tuesday Thursday afternoons by myself I was doing beach swims down at the beach swimming just 2k's up and back between the jetties by myself um as well as doing the the eight to nine sessions with my coach Peter Bishop as well so I was doing a crazy amount of training leading into Rio but really I'd only committed probably um yeah less than a year before that Olympic final so um I do believe that I have got a lot of natural talents there but I think I think the biggest thing is just being able to stay relaxed in those big moments and really enjoy the experience. Yeah. Well, listen, that's what ultimately separates people is being able to handle the big moments. And, and obviously you did it extraordinarily well um, in, in terms of that, were there, were there any moments where, it, where it did 
get overwhelming for you or was it just, did you just feel pretty relaxed the whole time? I think after the Olympics is where it started to get quite overwhelming for me. Um, Pre-Olympics, at the Olympic Games, it was all it was all good. Like I was this I was this young kid. I had Cameron McAvoy, who was the everyone had the eyes on Cam. Obviously, James Magnuson was in my relay team as well. But the attention really wasn't on me. I could kind of go under the radar, have fun with it, and probably win without anyone knowing who I was, which was the easy way to go about it. But it's when people start to know who you are, you mm. start to be a bit more of that public figure, especially in, I live in Adelaide, South Australia. So, you know, we, there's about 800,000 people in Adelaide. So you become that, you become a national icon very quickly. It's like 47 seconds and you're, you're a national icon. You come home. Um, it's very hard to go do things like I normally would. I was an 18 year old kid. But going, and, and I'm, I'm not a person that, you know, goes out a lot or, or anything. Like I like being at home, watching basketball, playing PlayStation, just chilling. But, going out for coffee or going to the grocery store, those sort of things became quite challenging for me for a while there. And that's when it started to become quite overwhelming and people always wanting to talk about how you're going and how you're progressing and talking about the Olympics and the next Olympics. And it just starts to clog your mind really. And you just start to think about, you're just constantly talking swimming. And um, I'd say that's when I, when I found it most overwhelming and found it too hard Um, at the Olympic games. No, it was, it was completely fine. I just, for me, it was like another competition. Like I, I'd done some, done some competitions here and there as a kid, obviously, but swimming was never my main focus. I wanted to be an Aussie rules footballer. So I always saw swimming as this fitness for my, for my Aussie rules, um, career. Mm. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, like even at the Olympics, I guess, you know, we have that first week of racing. I did really well. The second week of racing would be normally, everyone's partying and having fun and whatever else. But for me, it was uh, media just day after day, media meeting with my management about sponsorship, what, what's going to happen sponsorship wise, mm. where I'm going for photo shoots and uh, where I'm traveling around the country with my gold medal to talk and, and do, you know, appearances and whatnot after the Olympics when I got back. So for, all, for me, that was, was very overwhelming. Um, because it's just something you're not exposed to or, or ever experienced, I think. And as an athlete, your your job is to swim, really, or or compete. You never you never train to do that that sort of stuff until you have to do it. So um, I found that quite challenging. But you know, I'm four years on from that now, and very very experienced in it, I'd say. And um, just know that that's part of part of life and part of being an athlete, really. Yeah, mate. Great insight there. Listen, I'm I'm interested in the physical of the of the forty seven five. I'm also interested in in kind of the mental. You know, once you're in the the ready room, once you're in the call room, whatever you call it, um, the marshalling area. You know, for the final, what's going through your head at that point? So, in the lead up to the to that race, the forty seven five. What's some of the training you're doing? Like, you're renowned for somebody that closes like a madman that second 50 is just incredible so what what are you doing specifically in 2016 to to get that 47.5 performance well i'm a person that trains like a 200 meter freestyler really and i come down and race the 100 so i know that my back end's always going to be my strength but i remember qualifying for the olympic games here in adelaide it was i was 48.00 second fastest um, which was great because I qualified for the individual event which we've been training for and I remember sitting down with Bish probably the next day or within that next week and going to make the final of the Olympic Games we believe 47.5 will do it and to do that 
you're going to go out in 23.0 seconds feet on wall and you're going to come back in 24.5 seconds so for me every day in training i was trying to hit that 24.5 seconds back end as much as i could so that my body just knew how to do it um but I, I train a lot aerobically, like I love the aerobic stuff. So for me, like some of my favorite sessions would be like, you know, an 800 um, where I'm getting my lactate up to 1.5 or I'm, I'm neck splitting that 800 in 400s or I'm descending the 200s within that 800. Like I love that stuff. That's my, my go-to, but I love mixing it with stuff. So it'd be like an 800 with maybe 450s at 200 pace on 60 and times that by three or four. Mm. And that is my favorite session I could possibly do. Like any stuff like that, where it's just like a big mental grind, um, I love. I, I wouldn't, I don't mind doing, you know, 450s all out on a couple of minutes or uh, that sort of thing. But my, 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 my favorite stuff is aerobic swimming. Uh, wow. So I know I have that real belief and confidence in my back end, which really helped in Rio because I knew that I, I like my best. 50 freestyle time going into Rio was 22.1 seconds. So feet on wall, they say, is about 0.6 of a second. So that's mm -hmm. 22.7. So for me, I had to go out in 23.0, so almost as fast as I could possibly go at that stage. And then I had to come home. So um, I had to train as hard as I could to be able to be as fit as I could to come home and have that belief in myself. But uh, I remember I was obviously out in, I was out in 23.1 and back in, back in 24.4. Mm. So I almost hit the exact time. But um, I think for me, like I, I did the heat of the 100 freestyle. My back end was 24.2, I think, Ooh, in the heat. Geez. I remember having Nathan Adrian next to me. And um, he, yeah, almost missed. He ended up 16th mm. in, after the heat because he was kind of, we were pacing off each other almost, and I just went bang. <laughs> And I just had this unbelievable belief after that. I remember like Cam McAvoy being, that's the fastest back end ever done by someone. I think Michael Phelps might have been a bit faster in a super suit, potentially. Um, so I just had this unbelievable belief after the heat that I, that I could win. Like I, I felt it was easy. It was an easy race. I'd gone under 48 for the first time. I was young, invincible. Um, and just, it's just that belief and confidence just ran through me to the final. Um, the final played out how I thought it was as well. Obviously, I had Santo Condorelli on my left. <laughs> Went and, out like a madman. Uh, madman. He was like a body length and a half in front of me at the turn. And I guess most people in that moment would get scared and start raiding up and, um, you know, trying to chase that guy who's so far ahead of you. But for me, it was all about staying calm and knowing that my back end is where my strength is. And there's nothing more satisfying than swimming over the top of these guys and, and you know, seeing yourself catch them. And, um, you know, that's been the talk of the Olympic since is how I swam that race and how I, how I did it. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. been, it's been an incredible journey. Incredible. Mate, I'm so interested in this. Um, I'm fascinated with sprint, but I'm fascinated with this, with this race plan that you got going here. So you did have to go out. Let's talk about your front end first. You had to go out fast and, and strong, which is going to produce lactate. It's going to put you in a situation where you're uncomfortable because you're going flat out. So what's your, what's your um, rhythm and what's your breathing pattern on the way down to, in order to get out fast, but also stay un under control? Yeah, so I breathe twos the whole way in the hundred. Oh, wow. um my dive my dive in underwater especially then was horrendous like i had no idea 
what yeah. I was doing really. Yeah. Worked on it a lot, but wasn't wasn't nearly as good as the other guys. So I probably popped up like half a body length to a body length behind the rest of the field, mm. and then just straight into twos. But it was for me, it was about just staying as calm as I could with with that. Like you, breathing every second stroke allowed me not to pick up my rate too high because you don't want to be rating up too high because I knew that I'd burn out. So uh, I was breathing twos. So are you and, breathing twos so you can get as much oxygen as you can for that back end? Yeah, pretty much. And I know that that's my rhythm that I swim my best at. I'm I'm long, strong, and I'm and I'm holding holding water, which is which is my strength. So what are you what are you I'm thinking breathing. about with your legs right there? Are you are you trying to just hold them off a little, or are you hitting them pretty hard? Yeah, my legs just do do their own thing. Really, I never really think too much about my legs. Um, but I know that I'm not going absolutely as fast as I possibly can because it's like I want to be able to come home strong. So I kind of the front end I just try it's just like holding myself back to that that extent really, especially then, um, so that I knew that I could just give it everything on the way home. And I love that I love that pain burn of the lactate in your system as well. It's like that mental game of trying to grind through that which you train for. Like I love getting into that in training and being able to push through and see how far I can push myself. So. Mm. Um, I do go out hard, but it's, it's easy hard. You know what I mean? Like you can't yeah. go out, you can never go out too fast, but you can go out too hard. That's, that's always been like my coach's theory on that. So just, just our center. Saying, exactly. Look at those guys. <laughs> I, I think the best ones looking at like Vlad Morozov in 2013, like, oh, you know, God. there's been some guys who have gone out hard. Mm. Um, it's been fast, but it's been extremely hard. And then it's like, you just got to learn from that, really, and and I've done, I've learned the hard way as well. Um, but you know, it's it's about putting your race together at the Olympic Games when it counts. So you turn when when do you hit the the gas pedal? Do you hit it immediately, or do you try and get into the first few cycles off the wall? Nah, again, I try to stay relaxed that first few strokes off the wall. In Rio, I hit it as soon as I got off the wall, though. Um, <laughs> just because I knew how far behind I was, and I started just going for it, like it's the Olympic final. Um, it's hard to hard to stay relaxed as it is, but normally I try to take a couple of strokes and then still keep building, build like building, and um, I just try to stay very consistent with my stroke rate through that whole hundred. Really, like you want to be, I want to be really, you know, the same when I start to when I finish. You don't, I don't want to be dying at all. I want to be. Um, are you are you saying anything to yourself while you're swimming? Are you, is there a word going through your head, or is there is this sentence? What's going on in your head? Uh, I like to say to myself, this is my race and no one can take it from me. All oh, right. And, yeah. Nice. yeah. So, but it's also probably not too much. It's probably just making sure I'm thinking about what I'm doing and, and staying, staying in control. It's very easy to get out of control in a race. Now, do you, are you tempted to hold your breath 10 meters out or anything like that? Or are you continuing to just stay in the same rhythm? At that stage, probably not. In Rio, I probably didn't think about that too much. It was all just getting my hand on the wall first. But I know now, looking at, like, Caleb, he holds his breath for that last little period and really gets up higher in the water from doing so. So it's something I'm definitely working on. I think in Rio, I probably breathed inside the flag. I'd have... (laughs) Like, it's bad. And I had this big, long glide into the wall. And I remember in my head thinking, I've lost this race from this glide into the wall. Um, But... Yeah, it's, you know, as an 18-year-old, I, again, first time racing individually at the Olympic Games, it was just probably more so about the experience, really, getting that experience mm. um, to, 
get me through the rest of my career, but it ended up being a being a gold medal race. Um, So there's a lot of lot of learnings from that race which I've taken in and was going to be unleashing in Tokyo. <laughs> Can't wait, mate. Um, yeah. it, I'm I'm fascinated though with the with the ready room because I've been in that situation in the Olympic final where you walk into a ready room and and you you can't not look around. You see your competitors and all of a sudden you're in a room of guys that you've either looked up to or you've um, heard about. You've never really raced them before or. Um, you're just a fan of or or you're just excited to race them but there's a lot of emotions going on in that room so what's going through your head um, right before the race how do you control those emotions yeah well again Rio was a weird experience for me because I didn't know swimmers at that stage Um, so for me I remember walking into the heats with Cam McAvoy my great mate he introduced me to a few guys this is you know Clement Mignon from France and this is Santo Condorelli and introduced me to a few guys and I was like, ah, oh, sweet. Whatever. Like, I had a bit of a chat. Like I'm a chatter in the marching room, try to chat to whoever I can. Cam was great for me because we always sat there, laughed, had a good chat in the heats and semifinals, had a really good chat, whatever else. And then the finals are not, it was a weird experience because obviously there's only eight dudes in there. There's no other events in the marching room at that stage. Obviously if you go in the heats, there's hundreds mm. of dudes in the marching room. Yep. And then it cuts down to 16 and then it cuts down to eight. Yep. And the final, everyone's just on edge. Like, they've got their headphones on. No one's wanting to speak. Um, whereas I'm walking in there, I don't have tracksuit pants on. I've got my bathers on, <laughs> probably carrying my shoes. I'm ready to chat to whoever wants to chat to me. I remember Maddie Groves actually had a 200 butterfly final, potentially, just before us, and she won a silver medal. I was watching that, so stoked. <laughs> Trying to get my head out to see the crowd, see where my parents are sitting. But... Um, yeah, it's it's funny how things change. Like, you know, I, like again, I didn't I didn't know the guys, but I wanted to know the guys. Like, I wanted to talk to them and trying to talk to Santo and Cam, my best mate, who I've been rooming with. I'm like trying to talk to Cam, and Cam's trying to be in the mode to switch on to race well. And um, but yeah, it's it's a high uh, intensity, I guess. But testosterone, there's just testosterone with all the men and. Um, Nathan Adrian's one of the greatest dudes out there. Like he's a he's a guy that wishes everyone everyone luck. Mm-hmm. Um, wants, he's a, just such a genuine dude. So that was really cool getting to know know Nathan. And now now I guess I've raced on that senior level for a while, and I've been in, in the marshroom with people. I think they kind of work out how I am, and they they say good day to me. And Caleb now I've got Caleb in the marshroom with me, who's a, another absolutely unbelievable dude who. You just can't dislike. He's another guy that just has, does everything right. Like, he's got everything going for him. Um, and I love racing with Caleb, but I love having a chat to him and just getting to know Caleb. So, um, yeah, that's my experience in the marching room. I know that there's, there's sometimes there's some crazy stuff that goes on. I know I've, I've been with James Magnuson a bit um, in my experience, and his stories from the marching room are always quite funny. Uh <laughs> I don't know how true they are, but he always likes to tell funny stories and he's a good person to have in there when you're in a relay as well. So yeah. um, it's, it's good fun. Mate, incredible experience. That, that's awesome how you broke it down for us. I love it. Um, you know, we're, we're coming into the next Olympics cycle here where, where this is it, you know. So there's a lot of talk, honestly, it being a two-horse race. I mean, really, if you, if you live in America, most people have already awarded the, the gold medal to Caleb Dressel. But um, if you're a smart person, you know that 
there's two guys that are really kind of a cut above everybody else. It's you and him. Um, what happens if a Kyle Chalmers comes along next year and just does to you what you did to everybody else? Well, I guess I just have to accept that I did it to everyone else. So I just have to be okay with that. But I like to, I like to think that I trained so hard and I put myself in the position that that, that can't happen. Like I, I really like to think that, that I'm, I am the man in that race that, um, and you know, like it just, it can't happen to me, but I'm sure there's, there's going to be a day where it's going to happen. It's going to be a reality check, but, um, yeah, it's, it'll be it'll be good and it'll be it'll be exciting if something like that does happen like you know it's a, it's a big thing <laughs> I, I i agree uh, it'll be it'll be an awesome race um do you see it as a two horse race do you see you and caleb as, as the two that are kind of standing above everybody else right now and you guys are the ones to beat um no i think there's again the olympics is a completely different scenario than the world championship I think um, it's hard to race well at the Olympics, harder to race well at the Olympics than it is the World Championships or Commonwealth Games or just like that's the big one that everyone trains for for four years. There's so much more pressure riding on it. Um, even sponsorships all pick up leading into the Olympic Games. Just, yeah, it's just, there's so much more pressure that goes into that race that whoever, it's anyone's race really. I believe that anyone who makes it through to that final, you've got a lane, you've got a chance. Um, as long as you can put your race together, you, you've got, got a pretty good shot at doing so. So uh, I think there's, there's definitely some amazingly talented guys out there that could put the race together on the day and, and do, do well. Like, you know, you could rock up and get disqualified. You could false start. You could miss your turn. <laughs> you, could, you could be sick. You could have gastro the day of your race and not be able to race. Like, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of possibilities. It's just who can do it and deal with the pressure, be fully healthy, their body be fine and be able to do it on the day. But um, I am very excited about the opportunity to race Caleb again, like great mate. He's, he's done some incredible races over the last few years. I remember sitting up in, in Budapest in the, grand, in the stands and watching him compete and going, wow, this guy's extremely talented. And, and the progression he'd made in one year from 2016 to 2017 was incredible. And then Last year it was it was neck and neck. I wish there was probably two more meters of the race, and I probably would have been been a bit bit better. Uh, I probably would have played in my favour a bit more. But um, I know that I've learned a lot more again since then. And um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a very exciting race to have, and we'll see we'll see what happens on the day. Mate, it's not too difficult to figure out how he's going to race it. You know, he's going to get a great start. He's going to pop out the 15 ahead. He's going to try and ride his momentum. He's going to get out fast at the 50. He's going to hit another wall. He's going to try and pop out ahead. And then he's going to try and, you know, accelerate and hold on to that, that last 50. So, I mean, knowing that, and you've seen it, you've raced it, you've been right next to him. How, do you, how, do, how then do you beat him? If he's going to be utilizing those underwaters and he's going to be utilizing his top end speed and you're you know predictably i guess going to be a little bit behind at that stage are you just relying on the fact that your back end is just going to be so much better than his that you'll come over the top no well i'd like to say yes i could rely on that these days but i know that it's not possible just to rely on my back end now it's about getting better at what he's he's good at like mm. i know my swim speed's better than his but his skills are so so much more better than mine like if you look at world championships he he beat me by i don't know 0.09 of a second i think it was mm. and he was his reaction time off the block 
was 0.09 of a second faster than mine. <laughs> so you look at it like that, yeah. like it's, it's, not, it's not a whole lot that I need to do. It's about me getting off the blocks faster, improving my underwater and trying to be more closer to him on that, on that first 15 metres, improving my turn and trying to be closer to him. And then I know that the swim speed will take care of itself. Um, I know that there's plenty of things that I can be doing at the moment to improve on those things. And it's been, it's been a blessing really for me that I've got that extra year to now work on those um, and get even closer to him um, in, in those areas that he beats me on. So that's interesting you say that. Yeah, I mean, you, um, the Olympic, the Olympic hundred free final would have just happened maybe a few weeks ago. Um, Would you have been ready to win gold at that stage? You think? Absolutely. I would have been ready for sure. I know that I've, I've been training for that moment for the last four years and especially this last six months leading up to that moment. Like in March when we were racing here in Sydney, like I was in the best shape of my life, training extremely well. The stuff I was doing in training was, um, yeah, incredible. But I knew that I was going to be in, the, in a great position to, to race the fastest I'd ever raced in my life. So I, I would have completely backed myself into to do my best race. I don't know. You can't control what he's going to do or the rest of the field's going to do, but I definitely would have backed myself to have a really good performance there. But um, the extra year gives me even more time to now get even better than what I was going to be this year. Mate, I'm a big fan of this whole situation, by the way, because I've, <laughs> I've talked to other guys on the podcast who are supposed to be racing, Caleb, either this year or next year, and it doesn't sound like they think they can beat him. Whereas when I talk yeah. to you and listen to you, I, I believe 100%, you believe that you could beat him. There's no doubt in your mind that he's beatable. And yeah. I love that. Well, I, I look at like UFC fighters and you could be like the best UFC fighter in the world versus the worst one. You know what I mean? But that worst one has this unbelievable mindset that they're going to win. Like they have to have that mindset because they're going in there to get beaten up. So they have this mindset, they're going to win. You listen to their press conferences, they're calling each other out almost. Just mm. this unbelievable belief of confidence that they're, they're going in there to win and, and they're going to be the world champion. Um, I, I think it's a huge thing is you've got to have confidence and believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, there's no point in standing behind the blocks and racing. Like, I don't know how someone could actually do that. I don't know how you could stand behind the blocks and go, look, look to your right and see Caleb standing on on that block next to you and go, well, this guy's, you know, the best guy ever in the 100 freestyle. Uh, he's going to beat me. I'm, I'm here to get second. Like, it would just be, or, you know, even if you're eighth in the final, you go, I'm here to get eighth. Mm, yeah. <laughs> You've got to have that belief in yourself that you're there to, um, to win. I, if I didn't have that belief, I wouldn't be racing or swimming. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to a competition to get second or to swim a PB. Like, I'm, mm. I'm going there to succeed. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it because you believe it. And I love that. And it's so um, powerful. Like when you truly believe something, no one can tell you any different. And I, and I love that about you. And, and for a guy that's from, you know, a country town to have that much belief and confidence in himself to take on the whole world. Um, it's pretty incredible, mate. You're a special human and I'm, I'm really enjoying this chat. Um, so much to 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 get into uh that i, I just love chatting with you man it's awesome like i get i get a really good energy from you where do you think that was born in you or is that something that's been trained into you or is it is it just something that you've always had about yourself 
I think it's something I've always had about myself, really. I think I've been very lucky that my, my dad was a professional AFL or Aussie rules football player. Um, so he was at the top. Um, and I kind of just grew up in that professional sporting household, you know what I mean? Like dad really installed it into me as a kid of how I needed to act and how I needed to think and, and what I needed to do to be a professional athlete. Because that was always my dream. I never knew whether it was going to be AFL, NBA, whatever it was, I was that was me. I was going to be a professional athlete. Um, ended up being swimming, I think more so because swimming chose me than I chose swimming. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's all definitely all about mindset, but I do a lot of work to make sure I have that have that ability to to have that confidence and belief in myself. Mm. And and I get that from training, and I get and the training I do is training extremely hard and doing stuff that I know that the other guys aren't doing, which, which is probably like that aerobic a lot of aerobic work. And I and I get that confidence from doing that. Mate, you've uh, broken down the splits for the last. Uh idea of what you think you needed to do to either make the final or win obviously it's it's a different time now four years later you you're probably computing something different in your head so what's what's the actual goal what's the actual end time that you have in your mind to win the goal this time around um bish bish would not let me answer that question i'm sorry hawkey uh good on you mate i love it (laughs) i know i know that it's going to have to be fast obviously caleb was 46 9 last year at the world championship i was 47 0 obviously your boy ccello is 46 91 so the world record currently um so i know that it's going to be an extremely fast race to win it um but we're training very hard to, to do so so exciting what, what were your splits for the for the 47 o swim you did i'm not too sure to be honest with you i think i you must have got out I under 23 I, I think i was 22 8 24 2 maybe okay right 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 i believe it's been been a while it was again like world championships is about really refining your art and then making it even better the year after it's kind of practicing things that you want to do the following year so um yeah I, I i don't know it was kind of just a learning for me really it was i had a horrendous heat heat at, at world championships and started to doubt myself that was probably the first time i really doubted myself i was probably like 14th or something crazy going through to the semi-finals and then I remember going into the semi-finals and just going going for it like i didn't i didn't think i was even going to make the finals i was feel, feeling like really lethargic and gross and Ended up going 47-5 in the finals. Exactly the time I went in Rio, it was 47-5-8 or whatever it was. Mm. Um, it's funny how you, then, can ha- yeah, you can win an Olympic gold medal and it's a, the greatest swim of your life and then you can swim a couple of years later and it feels like a terrible swim exactly the same time. Yeah, it felt horrendous. Anyway, <laughs> and then just ha- <laughs> I knew the final in, in South Korea. I just had to go for it as hard as I could. and um, Still didn't feel great. Like I didn't feel great physically and just lethargic it was weird and then um had a really good race and i was stoked with it really but um and it was cool seeing caleb do so well as well and being a part of that you didn't touch the wall and be like shit i was close to the wall record i could have done this or that to get it (laughs) yeah there there was definitely aspects of that race that i didn't do well but um i don't think you want to be a world record holder and and winning the year before leading into rio it's the whole i mean sorry into tokyo it's a it's a huge um, lot, it adds a whole lot more pressure onto you. You probably don't necessarily need, and and it would be amazing to do it at the Olympic Games, really. 
Mate, you're right there. You're close. Why, why do you think the world record has stuck around uh, this long? I, I remember, uh, you know, the day that Caesar broke it, I remember standing on the pool deck and thinking, oh, that's, that's an incredible swim. But, but I also saw it, so I, so I knew it was possible. And, and now, 10 years later, it's still there. Why do you think it's yeah. st- stuck around so long? I don't know. Again, I've, I've never followed swimming. I remember, obviously, reading through the Guinness World Record books when I was you know, growing up in Port Lincoln as a kid and seeing CCLO 46.91 and going, wow, like I'm a minute five probably at that time. <laughs> going, that's a fast swim. But now I think it's just um, people believing that they can actually do it. You know what I mean? Like it's just slowly, slowly coming down. Um, you look back a few years ago, they probably didn't think that the world record was ever going to be beatable. Obviously, Caesar had the, the big rubber suit on and you look at some of those those swims like the 200 freestyle and the 400 freestyle and you go they're, they're going to be very very hard to do and they probably thought the 100 was that as well but i think when you have like now me and caleb who are going neck and neck and we're we're really pushing that limit of how fast we can swim um you start to realize that, that it is breakable and doable again um but yeah i think it's just i don't i, I don't really know i couldn't really put it put it down to it it's something it's, it's an incredible time like 40 going under 47 just sounds insane like i went 47 oh in in worlds last year and thinking oh that was fast but seeing caleb go 46 9 like that just sounds crazy like it mm. sounds so much faster yeah. um so it's exciting that, that that's where men's swimming is starting to get and i think you know once someone does it everyone will start being able to do it again. Like it'll start to just slowly start to drop again, hopefully. But, uh, Would you rather get that before the Olympics? I talked to Susie O'Neill the other day and she said, you know, that she was chasing this 200 fly world record for years and years and years. And, and she really wanted to get it at the trials just to get it out of the way before. And then she could just go and swim the Olympics. Is that something that you're thinking too, that you'd love to get that before the Olympics? Uh, I've never really thought too much about it, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think if I had a choice of where, I, if I was going to break a world record, I'd want to do it at the Olympic Games with 15,000 people in the crowd, millions of people watching it on TV mm. um, in that high pressure moment. You kind of feel like a boss because it, you've done it where the pressure's really huge on you. Uh, so that's, that's where I'd, if I had a preference and, and everyone's watching you type thing. So you're going to, you're going to do well out of it compared to doing it at trials where, you know, we might have a couple hundred people in the crowd. Yeah. Mate, I tried to swim the 100 freestyle a few times and it, was, uh, it just wasn't my thing. I was terrible. I couldn't come back. So what do you do for your legs to, you know, my legs used to just accumulate so much lactate. How do you keep those legs just pumping the way you do? Uh, again, I think I'm just built like a 200 freestyle or, or aerobic swimmer really and I do a lot of aerobic swimming. Uh, a lot of aerobic do, do you kick kicks, much oh you do a aerobic kick yeah do, do a lot of kick uh i do start a fair bit of cycling but okay. um i think i've just been very gifted with with my um i guess how i'm how i'm built and how my body works really my lactate like i don't get high lactate um in training i think my best probably is like 11 or 12 lactate oh, so wow. it's not it's not huge i woke um, up this i woke up this morning with 11 <laughs> yeah yeah like most sprinters do <laughs> uh, well what about yeah, your top end then and if, you, if you've been gifted with the aerobic capacity then then you must be worried about your top end because that's going to be harder to develop for you then right yeah definitely and it's something that 
I, I hardly even race to 50 these days. I mean, it's starting to get better. I, I raced at short course last year during ISLs and it was better and, and it starts to give me that confidence and go, oh, I can actually swim a 50. I think, I, I don't know what time, I went 20 points, something, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. But um, I need to be able to do a good 50 long course, um, probably more so for my own confidence to realise that I do have that speed. But um, yeah, it's, it's never been an event I've overly probably ever targeted or focused or trained for really. I've always just trained for, I've probably really always trained for the 200 and come down to the 100, but um, I don't know. I've probably trained 100 and 200 a bit now, but it would be cool to be able to do a good 50 and eventually I will hopefully be able to do a good 50. Why don't you, why don't you like focus on winning the 200 at the Olympics then? Um, I'm, well, I'm training for the 200. So, I mean, it's a, possibility i did it at worlds last year and had a had a shocker in the in the semi but um it's it's an event that i i really like the 200 there's a lot more strategy to it um i had i had a really good one at at com games a few years ago and 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 it's an an event i do want to target but there's there's a lot of good guys in that 200 as well and and it's before the 100 so it kind of means that i'll have a lot more racing before i have to do the 100 freestyle which is the event, the blue ribbon event that everyone's watching, and and my event that I want to do well in. So, yeah, like a, which one do you choose? Yeah, maybe for Rio, I think you guys were still on the old system where you had the trials, maybe maybe about four months before the games, and now you've gone to uh, about a, a month or five weeks or so, something like that. Um, how's that going to be different for you? you think? Well, yeah. So we we had our trials in April, start of April, I think, in 2016. Um, so I was a 17-year-old kid uh, when I made the Olympic Games. And now, last year, we, we trialled it at World Championships. We trialled it the year before at Pampax, and both times I swam, Pampax I was okay, but World Championships I swam really well off that four weeks. We kind of raced, almost went straight to Cairns for our training camp, did two weeks up in the sun in Cairns on the team, and then went into Nagaoka in Japan for a week, and then it was pretty well World Championships. So um, it played played really well for me doing it that way um again i'm not someone that really thinks into that stuff too much i kind of just go with the flow and whatever they say to do i do like i'm not someone that's going to be going i want to do it this way because i swam well four years ago Mm. like if this is what they want to do well whatever like we'll do it that way figure it out yeah exactly make it work yeah mate uh this has been super fascinating um i've loved it uh i was actually listening to the phil davis podcast before this and, and get, getting some good information um i uh i am fascinated in this whole reptile thing that that you got going on t- t- tell me about yeah. your your reptile sanctuary real quick yeah so i've got i've converted my garage i've got a double garage uh, i've converted that into a, a reptile room so with <laughs> with swimming obviously it's quite hard to have a have a job we we probably have i don't know four to five hours off in between training a day and hard to have a job there or study like I've, I do study but I deferred this year just because I was thinking I was going to be away for the whole year and wanted to really focus on the Olympics but for me the reptile room is more of a distraction really it means that I can come home um, if I don't have something I'm just constantly thinking swimming and it just burns you out quite quickly so I know that my reptiles need feeding they need cleaning uh, it's given me kind of an identity away from the pool so um, I'm called, called KC Critters and I've made all these friends in the reptile world and uh, like last week, I was up in Cairns catching up with all these reptile dudes that um, 
that I that I know now and and everywhere I go like I'm able to everywhere around the world has reptiles like I'm in Japan at Tampax and I'm going to reptile cafes and I'm in Cairns going down the river looking for wild crocodiles and just doing some really cool things like that which just helps me stay relaxed and I guess distracts me from swimming so I'll probably spend you know two to three hours out there a day just I've got crocodiles mate yeah what what do you have got back there I've got I've got everything. I've got crocodiles at the moment. I've got huge goannas. I've got um, yeah, a lot of a lot of big pythons and just it kind of chops and changes very regularly. But um, but yeah, it's definitely something that keeps me busy. That's incredible, mate. I love it. It's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> last question. I know you're a big NBA fan. Who's going to win the championship this season? I have no idea. I really, <laughs> I yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm watching the Lakers versus Portland game at the moment. Lakers are up by eight. Okay, I think good. I think Portland could potentially <laughs> could roll them. Oh wow! I don't Jeez. know. I watched the Clippers game yesterday. Mavericks won. I just get confused by it. Bucks. Obviously, lost the first game to Orlando. Like it's just yeah. it's going to be a tough one. I'd love to see the Celtics get up and win, just because I'm I've, I play NBA fantasy and Jason Tatum's my my main player on my fantasy team. So it'd be cool to see him get up and win a championship. But um, I think it's got to be either the Lakers or Clippers, really. Oh, awesome. Awesome. That'd be cool for me. I'm, I'm living in LA now, so the, the Lakers or, or the Clippers winning would be pretty cool. So, um, yeah. l- Listen, mate, I appreciate your time. I, I know it's valuable, so thank you, and uh, thanks for the insights. Thanks for uh, answering all my questions, uh, even the tough ones, so I appreciate it. Um, and good luck, mate. I'm a huge fan. I've actually gone out on a limb and called it. I called it uh, about six months ago. I, I put something out on social media and said, Kyle Chalmers is going to win the 100 freestyle at the Olympics. <laughs> now, that was supposed to happen a few weeks ago. So I'll have to probably go back and re-pick you again. But I'll definitely be. Yeah. I got my money on you, mate. I'm a big fan. Cool, mate. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time as well. It was, it was definitely cool to chat. And uh, I'll catch up with you soon. All right, mate. Take care. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Bye.